What's up, everyone? Welcome once again to Hack the Dono, your fortnightly pop culture podcast recorded live at Greenlight Comics in Adelaide, South Australia. Usually. Uh, we've had some technical issues this show, so uh, you have me in my bedroom. But I can still guarantee there will be some discussions and some interesting things happening. Uh, Dan McGuinness isn't joining me, Ben Rosenthal, uh, this week, but we will still have a great time. Promise, or your money back. I have no money. Sorry, you're on your own. So this show may be a little bit quicker than usual, but we'll still address the things that need to be addressed. Um, I haven't talked about the Nintendo Switch recently, or at all, so you bet you're behind that that's coming this show. Uh, Also, I'm going to be nominating my game of last year for 2016. Not possibly one that everyone would all agree with, but uh, bring it. Um, I also briefly want to talk about Rogue One and the world of comics. Now, I would also play Dan vs. the World in a game of video game jukebox. However, Dan not being here and I'm the one that picks the songs, really not much point. All that and not a hell of a lot more on this different version of Hack the Dino. Regular listeners of Hack the Dino will know that I'm just a little bit of a Nintendo fan. Uh, I own pretty much every Nintendo video game system. Uh, I collect Nintendo consoles from here, Japan, and everywhere else. Uh, I have a lot of Game Boys, which was a stupid thing to think I'd be able to collect. Um, So I'm, of course, very excited about the Nintendo Switch and the possibilities there. Um, Nintendo hasn't given much uh, information apart from the, I think, four-minute promo video that came out when it was still called... uh, I forgot what it was called now. It's not the Revolution. That was the Wii. Um, Something or other. Uh, But yeah, the Nintendo Switch. uh, Nintendo are holding a press conference next Friday, the 13th, our time. Uh, Now, there is a list of games which have been confirmed uh, to be out on the Switch. Uh, Nintendo have already said that there will be Pokemon, Mario and Zelda games within the first six months. Pretty certain we can uh, tick off the Zelda game uh, that's coming out. Um, But the games that have been confirmed are The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Splatoon Switch, which will possibly be a Wii U update, as will Mario Kart Switch. Uh, I think EB even released some uh, posters or some pictures of uh, the box art, and it has 24 new tracks. So it's basically Mario Kart from the Wii U, but with a lot more, uh, all the downloaded stuff included. Uh, Then we've got other... Great games such as Just Dance 2017. I, I don't know why they keep making these games. Does anyone actually play them? They're the only thing that's under $20 in the Wii U section of any video game store. Uh, perplexing. Uh, Sonic 2017, Dragon Quest X, Dragon Quest XI, uh, Stardew Valley, Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom, Lego City Undercover, Rhyme, Cube Life, Island Survival, and an untitled Steam World game. I just want to have a look at a couple of those things that were mentioned. Firstly, Rhyme. I think they had a video out showing this. Uh, it's a young kid and his dog who have been shipwrecked on an island, uh, and they survive slash 
solve puzzles from what I can see. Um, as with the Wii U version of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I did notice a little bit of jumpiness. Like It wasn't as smooth as one might expect from a uh, uh, improved Nintendo console. Um, it's when my worries started to uh, peak a little bit. I'll get back to that a little bit later on. I did want to talk about ukulele, though. Uh, for those who don't know, these are the guys who were responsible for Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, they've since left Rare and kick-started this uh, game, Ukulele, with a bat. And um, I, I don't know what Euchre is. But every single uh, video or screenshot that I've seen of Ukulele, it is definitely the spiritual successor of Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, uh, which were fantastic games. Uh, if you've not played them, you really need to go back and give it a go. Um very, very happy that Ukulele is coming. It was announced for the Wii U, but of course, now that Nintendo's put the nail in that coffin, they've jumped over to the Switch. Um, Cube Life, Island Survival. I couldn't really find a lot about this, other than it seems to be a Nintendo's Minecraft clone. Uh, so they have a survival mode where you fight monsters or aliens, and a creative mode where you build monsters or aliens. I don't know. Uh, Rumours abound that the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild Wii U version has been cancelled. It hasn't been actually confirmed yet, but there were rumours a couple of months back that they were having trouble getting the whole game to run smoothly on the Wii U. Uh, gotta say, it would be a bit disappointing if that happened. I was looking forward to picking it up and hopefully hoarding it for a couple of years and it becoming collector's item, much like the GameCube version of Twilight Princess. Uh, but still... It's going to be an amazing game, and I cannot wait to get my grubby little hands on it. Now, for the rumoured games, uh, we've got The Elder Scrolls V, which is a little thing called Skyrim, which we saw on the promo video. An unnamed NBA 2K game. Uh, again, we saw that on the uh, Switch promo video. And Beyond Good and Evil 2 from Ubisoft. Uh, there's also, again, rumours of Mech Super Extended, and a version of uh, Hearthstone. Now, what's got me really, really worried here is there isn't really a lot of third-party games lining up to jump on the Nintendo Switch bandwagon. And some have already said, well, one has already said that their latest game will not be coming out on the Nintendo Switch, which is Mass Effect Andromeda. What's really worrying me there is this is kind of similar to what happened to the Wii U. Um, in order for these developers who are building these games for their more powerful machines, uh, PS4 Pro and the Xbox Scorpion, uh, they're going to have to downgrade their game in order to get it on the Switch, uh, just because of the power and the processing and everything. Um, that, to me, and I'm sure a lot of you, sounds like a bad thing. Uh this is where the Wii U started to fail. This is uh, why that system... And I stand by the Wii U. I think it was an amazing system and great fun. Um, but it just didn't have the processing power to interest third parties. And it cost these third parties a lot more time and effort to downgrade their games to get them released onto these lower-end... Uh, or lower-powered, I should say, consoles. Um, I, I really think Nintendo needs to step it up here and do something to ensure that that doesn't happen. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here again in three to four years making uh, Switch jokes. Uh, you know, no one made the Switch to the Switch. There you go. If you hear that in a couple of years' time, that's trademark to me. Um, yeah, still really, really excited about the Wii U. 
Uh, well, Wii U and the Switch, both of them. Anything Nintendo, bring it. Um, but just a little bit worried at this stage. Now, I did also want to talk very, very briefly about 2016's Game of the Year, according to me. Uh, may have noticed I'm not exactly the most well-rounded gamer. Uh, but for me, the Game of the Year is not only a fantastic game, or in this case, even a fantastic game. To me, the Game of the Year is something that captures attention, uh, something that people clamour out to play, something that is a, a talking point and brings focus onto the whole gaming community, whether it be good, bad, whatever. So for me, my Game of the Year is Pokemon Go. Now, before you start bamboozling me with insults, which I totally encourage at hackthedino at hotmail.com or on Instagram at hackthedino or even on our Facebook page, hackthedino. Um, Pokemon Go was one of these cultural phenomenon points. Uh, everyone knew what Pokemon Go is. It uh, just hit you right in the nostalgia of those of you who haven't been playing the Pokemon games since the first ones when you were 15, 14, 12 years old. Uh, people knew what the Pokemon were, in, even if they didn't know what they were, they were still keen to jump in there and, and grab it. Um, people were playing this, uh, a lot of them, I'd say over 80% have dropped off now, uh, but that doesn't stop this game from earning, I think it was something like $3 million a day, even now. Um, it was the most downloaded game pretty much ever, uh, in the App Store, it crashed servers. Uh, remember, right at the start, you couldn't log in because so many people were downloading it and trying to get on. And I was—I'm in Australia. Like we got it first. More, uh, sorry, we got it before anyone else in the world because of time zones and whatnot. And even then, we had problems logging in. Uh, I'm still playing Pokemon Go. I really like the fact that they're updating. Uh, they're doing little surprise uh, uh, extra content things. Like we had a Halloween content where, uh, you know, Ghastlies and Gengars were a lot more prevalent. Uh, we've just had pass uh, a Christmas hat Pikachu, which if you evolve, also is a Christmas hat Raichu. Uh, they've just announced the you can hack uh, some of the Johto region Pokemon um, out of eggs. So like the Pichu, the Cleffer. Uh, Togepi, all of that, even though I haven't yet done it, and I've been walking my butt off trying to get these Pokemon, still haven't got one. I'm starting to think they're lying to me. Uh, and they're also doing a special thing, I think up until the 8th, where the Kanto starter Pokemon, that's Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander, appear in the wild more often. So they're constantly focused on bringing new experiences to this game, and hopefully continuing the interest. It's held off, held on for some, such as me, uh, but a majority of people I can see have dropped off. Nonetheless, that's my game of the year for 2016, Pokemon Go. Now, last month, a little movie, part of a little franchise uh, came out. Uh, it was called Rogue One. You may have heard of it. Uh, it takes place in the Star Wars universe. Um, it's, a, it's an old film from like the 70s that uh, yeah, your parents may have heard of. I don't, I don't know if you guys are up on it. But um, yeah, this series, this film, sorry, took place away from the series, but tied in nicely to uh, the said series. Now, this interview is going to, sorry, this review 
is going to have two parts. One where I try not to spoil anything, and then one where I do spoil the heck out of things. So if you haven't seen it yet, you're okay for now. I will tell you when I'm going to start spoiling everything. Uh, overall, I thought the movie was awesome. It was a little bit darker, a little bit grittier, uh, seemed a lot more... Oh, I say a lot more, but more in-depth, uh, more focused on character than... Uh, Episode 8, Force Awakens. Uh, sorry, Episode 7. I'm doing really well today. It's because I don't have someone here to correct me all the time. I really need that. Um, the characters were a lot more relatable. Uh, I really enjoyed the diversity in the casting. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, same-sex couple in there. So much so, my girlfriend didn't actually realize that they were a same-sex couple uh, in a relationship. Uh, that's how normal the film directors and writers uh, portrayed these guys. Uh, didn't, you know, pat themselves on the back, didn't hang a lantern on and say, look everyone, look what we've done, aren't we awesome? They just presented these characters as is, and you took what you wanted out of it, and I really think they need to be applauded for that. Uh, this movie was really well told. Uh, I understand a lot of rewrites happened, uh, which could explain some of the scenes that appeared in the trailer, which didn't happen in the film, such as, you know, Jin walking down the plank and this TIE fighter coming up, man, that would have been awesome to see. I'm sure we'll see something like it down the line. Uh, but overall, the film was well told. It did take some liberties, uh, but tied it directly into A New Hope really, really well. Now, if you haven't seen it, I am going to discuss something which does spoil one of the coolest moments of the film. So I'm going to give you a little tune to uh, skip forward a couple of minutes. Do, 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 do. All right, they gone? <laughs> they haven't seen Rogue One yet. <laughs> Losers. Really? Who hasn't seen Rogue One yet? What? Jerks, really. Anyway, spoilers. I want to talk about the whole Darth Vader scene at the end. You know, the one I'm talking about where Darth Vader appears with the flash of his lightsaber and just cuts the holy hell his way through that ship uh, trying to get to the uh, Death Star plans that have been uploaded. Um, which, of course, leads to the start of Episode 4. A lot of people online have been complaining, <laughs> who would have thought, uh, about Darth Vader being really fluid in motion and just cutting through these guys and just, you know, acting like a Jedi. Whereas you skip forward to episode four and he's, you know, a bit slower, a bit more lumbering, doesn't get his lightsaber out, sort of, uh, well, not short of breath, but he certainly not has the energy and vigor of, say, two hours previously, if we're to believe the uh, timeline is continuous like this. Um, I've got a couple of things to say to those complaints. Firstly, it's a movie, back the hell off. Secondly, earlier in the film, we see Darth Vader in the Bacta tank. Now, for those of you not up on Star Wars lore, <laughs> losers, um, a Bacta tank is basically a healing chamber. We see Luke in one in The Empire Strikes Back. You know, he's floating there in water. Um, that water is Bacta, which uh, helps heal people a lot faster. Um, so my theory is that the Bacta is basically uh, invigorating uh, Anakin or, or Darth Vader. Um, when he's out of there, he is at 100%. He is as good as new and ready to rock and roll. Um, it can be assumed that because he's away from Mustafar for so long, uh, which I thought was a really cool touch, by the way, like putting him back on Mustafar, 
Maybe it's just because I like the name Mustafa. Mustafa, Mustafa, Mustafa. Quoting another Disney movie there, as you were. Uh, yeah, him being a fully charged uh, and ultimate power uh, kill or a Darth Vader. Like, he's ready to wreck some havoc. So he's able to slice down and crash his way through and just look awesome. Two hours later, he's been out of the back to tank for a while, so his battery's starting to drain. He's starting to get a little bit uh, a little bit worn out because, you know, at this stage he's, what, 40-ish, I guess? I don't know. I'm not good with numbers. Uh, so... He therefore makes sense that uh, when he comes up against Obi-Wan on the Death Star, which is, what, uh, 10 hours, 12 hours after Rogue One, and they have that little uh, poking their lightsabers at each other fight, um, it, to me, makes sense that he would be really, really worn out. And he even is in that film. Uh, If you look at that lightsaber fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's huffing and puffing and panting when he's just been sort of doing a couple of sidesteps. To me, that backs up this theory that he needs the back-to-tanks in order to survive uh, through longer periods of time. All right, so there you go, Star Wars nerds. Feel free to come at me. Uh, I'm ready for you. Overall, though, you really should go see Rogue One, uh, even if you're not a Star Wars fan. It is a really cool film, and it is really, really inclusive. I saw it with my almost nine-year-old daughter, and she loved it. As we do on every episode of Hack the Dino, that's each fortnight. Uh, We talk about comics as well as movies and games, uh, usually helmed by Dan McGuinness. However, Dan not being here today due to technical issues, uh, it comes to me. Now, I do have a little bit of expertise in the comic book area. Uh, Me, Ben Rosenthal, hi. Uh, I am I'm a comic book writer, Uh, that's why I can't speak, I usually uh, communicate through writing, Uh, and I've also been reading comics since I was about 16, 17 years old, no, probably, no, earlier than that, I was about 13 years old, Uh, I started collecting a lot during Onslaught, so while Onslaught remains a somewhat horrible way to describe 90s comics, uh... It has a very special place in my heart. I mean, Xavier was Onslaught. Who would have thought? He was the one who portrayed the X-Men. Wow. Incidentally, I'm glad Xavier's still dead. Anyway, it's been a huge 12 months for comics. Um, I just want to touch on some of the things that I like. Dan usually uh, likes to focus on the more independent comics, which I am totally for. However, I don't read anywhere near enough independent comics, which is ironic being an uh, independent comic book creator as well. Um Dan is well up on all that stuff. He's one of the co-owners of Greenlight Comics. I leave that all to him. He knows what he's doing, uh, what he's talking about, and uh, you can't really fault him, even though I try really, really hard. Uh, So I'm just going to talk about comics that I've read uh, very briefly uh, in the past 12 months, uh, the ones that really, really stood out. Uh, The first one being Street Fighter Ultimate. Uh, Now, this was supposed to take the storyline of Street Fighter V and tie it into Street Fighter III. Yeah, Capcom can't count. Their uh, storyline goes Street Fighter 1, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5, Street Fighter 3. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't 
played the game or read the comics, but it focuses heavily on uh, the main you know trio of characters. That's Ryu, Ken, Chung Lee. Um, Ryu is trying to overcome the evil Satsui no Hado that Okuma has uh, fully embraced uh, and trying to become one with uh, the Hado and not be evil Ryu when that may occur. Um, pretty much Gil, who's the main antagonist of Street Fighter 3, invites everyone to a tournament uh, on his island. Uh, it's there that they realise that he's going to destroy the world, as antagonists always want to do, and reshape it in his image. Um, Ryu battles him, turns into evil Ryu, then uh, overcomes the Satsui no Hado, and become, uh, uh, what is it? becomes a champion of the, over the power of nothingness, or the power of light, or something. Yeah, this is why I don't review comics, guys. Uh, and defeats Gil, even though according to Capcom lore, um, Gil was actually defeated by Alex, who's a big wrestler dude with uh, grungy looks because, you know, Street Fighter 3 came out in the early 2000s when grunge was all the thing. Uh, don't know what thing, but it was that. Uh, so, yeah, it's enjoyable. Um, I really like Street Fighter. I really like the Street Fighter characters. Uh, I like reading about them. Uh, I'm since told that there is a manga that was released ages ago called Ryu Final uh, that deals with Ryu and Akuma and Sagat's relationship that is a hell of a lot better um, than the storylines currently being tossed around. So I'm really looking forward to tracking down a copy of those comics. Uh, had a look on eBay. Some of them are going for nearly $200 for the two. So... Probably won't be spending that much money, uh, but I am a big fan of scavenger hunts. So, uh, anyone's got any leads, shoot me an email at hackthedino at hotmail.com or even hit me up on Twitter at Ben Rosenthal and let me know where I can find these stories so I can actually read them. Uh, next comic series I'd really like to talk about is The Amazing Spider Man, uh, more specifically, the uh, clone, jeez, uh, oh, I'm a horrible person. I can't even remember the name of the current Spider-Man storyline. It is called The Clone Conspiracy Dead No More. I just had to check my comic then because, hey, in my room. Um, this storyline is freaking awesome. Uh, I'm a lifelong Spider-Man fan. My daughter's name is Parker. She's named after Peter Parker. Yeah, she loves it. I'm sure until she's about 15, 16, and then I'll be the worst parent in the world. But hey, small price to pay. Um, yeah, it basically deals with uh, the Jackal coming back and bringing back all the clones, which Marvel just would not uh, mention after the whole original clone saga in the early 90s, where uh, Peter Parker was uh, superseded by his clone, Ben Riley. Um, yeah, spoiler alert. Again, guys, if you haven't read Clone Conspiracy or Amazing Spider-Man, turn off now. Do, 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 do. La, da, 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 da. They gone? Haven't even read Clone Conspiracy. <laughs> really, who doesn't read Clone Conspiracy? Jerks. Uh, the Jackal, who we thought was Miles Warren, was revealed in Clone Conspiracy number three to be none other than everyone's favourite clone, Carrion. 
No, I'm joking. It was Ben Riley. Ben Riley is back, and not a clone of Ben Riley. Well, technically, yes, a clone of Ben Riley, but the actual Ben Riley, who a lot of fans have been asking and begging Dan Slot to bring back, has made his return, and he is well. I guess he's a bad guy, but he's kind of not. Like when we last saw Ben Riley, he was pretty much Peter Parker. He, uh, great power, great responsibility. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He was the ultimate good guy. He jumped in front of the Goblin Glider uh, to protect Pete and then disintegrated. Now, if you haven't read Amazing Spider-Man 22, uh, again, spoilers. All right, enough of that. Uh, Pretty much Miles Warren comes up to the roof, scoops up some uh, crumbled Ben Riley remains and clones him again using a new technique, which enables the clone to remember their past life. So before clones couldn't remember if they were, um, well, couldn't remember the memories of their previous or the person they were cloned for is from, is what I'm trying to say. Apologies. Uh, however, this new technique allowed Miles Warren to do it. Unfortunately, he hadn't stabilized the process and unless um, they were treated, they would crumble away or deteriorate very, very quickly. Uh, this happened with the Ben Riley clone, so Miles Warren killed him, and then cloned him again, and then killed him, and then cloned him again, and killed him a different way each and every time for about 20 or 30 so times. That's enough to tick anyone off. And remember, Ben Riley remembers all of this. He remembers being shot, he remembers being drowned, he remembers being set on fire, he remembers having acid poured all over him, and dying, and then being brought back. In the end, Ben Riley has enough, breaks the bonds, and not kills Miles Warren, that makes a hell of a lot of clones of him and then tells Miles that one of them's the real one but won't let him know which one. What's more, Ben Riley, having the intelligence of Peter Parker and the scientific knowledge of Peter Parker, finds a way to stabilise the cloning process. He has them take this little pill which will stabilise it for a while. Uh, if they don't take a pill each day, they will decompose very, very quickly and fade away to nothingness. So, old Miles has no choice but to do what Ben Riley says. And really, that reveal of Ben Riley as the Jackal was awesome. I'd been waiting for Ben to make a return, but I did not expect him to take up the mantle of the Jackal. I mean, really? Having a look back of it, Jackal's new scarlet suit with the blue t-shirt underneath it really should have been a uh, big flashing bulb moment for anyone who was looking for it but I wasn't I don't try to look for these moments in comics anymore and I was blown away by it I'm a big Ben Riley fan I love the fact that he's now back and I love the fact that Dan Slott has brought him back in a way that people were not expecting and don't necessarily like I haven't read any of the uh, comments linking um, Riley with uh, Dan Slott's writing but I can imagine not all of them are positive. Uh, incidentally, Dan Slott is an amazing writer. He's like this J.K. Rowling of comics where he puts little bits of threads here, there, and everywhere and then ties them together two or three years down the track. Now, Dan's been on the comics for almost 10 years now, and you do not uh, write Spider-Man, sort of like the almost the flagship comic of Marvel Comics, for 10 years without knowing a thing or two or having some big plans. Um, incidentally, you should also pick up Dan Slott's Silver Surfer run where he basically makes a Doctor Who uh, homage. It's really, really cool. Really recommend it to anyone who likes comics. 
Speaking of recommendations, I do want to give one last uh, spotlight to a comic miniseries that came out from Dark Horse this year called, oh sorry, I should say 2016, called Negative Space. Uh, It's written by fellow Australian Ryan K. Lindsay and drawn by Owen uh, Gliani. I think that's how I pronounce his last name, I'm sorry. He's also the new artist on uh, Curtis Weaves Rat Queens, or the relaunch of that. in a bookshelf, uh, bookshelf. In a bookshelf. Well, it's in my bookshelf, but in a nutshell, uh, negative space is a depressed, overweight, uh, homosexual uh, Native American who gets writer's block on his uh, suicide note. That that's it. That's the hook. And from that one line, I was hooked. And I. <laughs> Ryan being a friend of mine, I got to read the early uh, scripts of these and see the early artwork, and it was great seeing this all come together. Um, The main character then goes out and discovers this big conspiracy regarding aliens and uh, depression, and it's just so beautifully written. Honestly, uh, you really need to chase this down or get your comic book store to order it in from Dark Horse, Negative Space. It's just such a heartfelt book with... um, it's typical, I don't want to say grittiness, but uh, Ryan's work is very sharp. It, it is there in your face, and it is, I can't believe I said in your face. I'm sorry. I apologize to Ryan as well. I don't mean to say in your face about your work, but it is exceptionally well written, and you really need to pick it up. That's Negative Space from Dark Horse Comics by Ryan K. Lindsay. And we're about at the end of the show. Um... Yeah, probably half an hour shorter than uh, what the show usually is, but that's because I don't have anyone to talk to. And speaking to myself is bad, or so my doctor tells me. It is at this point we usually play Dan versus the world, which is basically Dan up against our guest, who we have a different one each show, uh, trying to guess the theme of a video game. Now, here's the thing. They each get one guess each, uh, up to a total of five guesses to try and guess the game that the music came from. Now, during those guesses, they can ask for some hints. They can ask to hear the next five seconds of the song, because I only play it five seconds at a time. Uh, Or they can ask for some third thing, which I can't recall at the moment. Mm, mm, It's a good game. After those five turns, they have to take a shot at guessing the game. Now, I can't just uh, accept, uh, oh, it's Mario. It has to be the exact game that it came from. At the moment, Dan had a bit of a rush and I think is in the lead 6-4 to according to my tally. Uh, I'll have to go back and listen before the next show in a fortnight, but I'm pretty sure that's what the tally's at. But I thought I would give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek into the songs that we'll be playing. Here they are. Um... This will also be a good test to see if Dan actually listens to the show that he's a part of, because he'll be able to look these up and find out what they are. So, in no particular order, here is a little snippet of the songs. A couple of those are easy, a couple of those not so easy, and there is one red herring in there, I can promise you. Okay, so that about wraps us up for this uh, episode of Hack the Dino. Uh, We'll be back again in one fortnight with our co-host Dan McGuinness. Hopefully he's all uh, ripped and ready to go. I don't know why I said ripped. 
maybe he's at the gym a lot now. Maybe that was the technical difficulty. He's just lifting so much that he is muscly. Man, I really can't wait for him to be back. We also have our uh, special guest, who I believe is a professional wrestler, amongst other things. Hmm. Until then, you can uh, drop us a line at hackthedino at hotmail.com or look us up on Facebook, Hack the Dino, or Instagram at Hack the Dino. There is a website coming very, very soon. Uh, feel free to drop me a line at, at Ben Rosenthal on Twitter. Um, that's all I've got for you. Hopefully I haven't rambled on too much. Do me a favor and download this heap so I get more hits than the other episodes and I can start demanding things like, you know, free comics from Greenlight Comics. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your fortnight and we'll talk to you again soon. Hack the dino. Hack.